I'm just going to take out the personally like part. I'm just going to read the first half of that sentence. Sounds good. Give me a countdown, though, because this is a second po- uh, podcast. I know. And we don't want to disappoint uh, Patrick. Yeah. Or Paul from Idaho. No, but Patrick did specify. Got to have the pot, the uh, countdown. Oh, the yes, podcast. yes, yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a plenty from Poland but none from Sudan Or from Fiji or Uzbekistan Stamp collecting happens when we dream together Live from the Tide Pod Flavor Testing Laboratories This is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 162 I stopped the postman and asked him if he had any mail for me. He asked me, where do I live? I said, Nevada. He said, you have to check with my postman in Nevada. I think he's hiding something from me. I do this about twice a day. The post office filed a restraining order against me. I'm Scott. What is a vampire's favorite fruit? I don't know what. Nectarines. (laughs) Nectarines. Ah, <laughs> uh. and this is Mark. I self-identify as philatelist, and my pronoun is never hinged. <laughs> <laughs> this is Tom, and I am your stamp mistress, Dawn. I was pulled over by a police officer. He asked me if I was drinking. I asked him if he was buying. We laughed and laughed. Uh, I need bail money. This day in history. In 1878, the first telephone directory is issued in New Haven, Connecticut. For the younger listeners, a telephone book was made out of paper and had everyone's phone number in it. For the really young listeners... A telephone was a communication device that had a wire plugged into the wall so you could talk to other people when you were at home. Ask you how many people were in that phone book? Yeah. How many? Actually, there were 50 listings and no phone numbers. What? Yeah, It was a one-page sheet. Oh, that's right. You you had to talk to like an operator or something. You couldn't dial direct. That's not much of a phone book. 
didn't say it was a phone book. It said directory. Ah, uh, good point. Yeah. It was more of a roster. In 1916, the Battle of Verdun began in France. The Battle of Verdun lasted for almost a year and became the longest and one of the most costly battles in human history. It is estimated that there were 714,000 casualties, 377,000 French and 337,000 German for an average of... No, your math looks, is messed up. Straight from Google. Blame them, not me. Wow. In Let me read it over again. In 2008, a copy of the telephone book made headlines when it sold at auction for $170,000. This one, the little one-page one? Yeah. Wow. What? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. We're, in the, wow. we're in the wrong business. <laughs> so what stamps were used during the war? Well, uh, a lot of French stamps for the American boys were used when they were over there, but uh, the U.S. government then sent U.S. stamps over for the uh, doughboys. For the doughboys who were stationed over there and fighting, and they were able to use those stamps on mail back home. I guess they didn't have enough sheets, so they made booklets, and they made extra large booklets. These are commonly known as AEF booklets. And from this, we get a booklet pane of 30, when the standard booklet pane was only six stamps. So these would be issued to, say, a company or something like that, and they would have more stamps. A and, company like a brigade or a division, not a company like right. Exxon. Right. So the soldiers would then use these on their mail back home. Now, the interesting thing about these stamps from these large booklets was that they were printed on specially designed plates and so the stamps are slightly different size than the normal stamp and even though they're perforated the same as a normal stamp the size of the design makes them a distinctly different listing and therefore desirable and collectible in their own right especially when they're on cover from a soldier or a red cross worker that is in France the extreme right side of the booklet pane had the salvage on it. That is not true. It could be the left or the right side. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Absolutely. Oh. It depended on which side of the plate it came from. But I, I knew, because I knew that if you had salvage and then a straight edge on the right side, it was an AEF booklet. Well, so you could identify two stamps out of 30 as being from an AEF booklet. Nowadays, with the research and everything, we can really figure out lots of the stamps. So these are going to become rather scary. Right now, they're very rare. I think they're going to go from rare to scarce because people will be able to differentiate. When you get these postcards from France with the one and two cent stamp on it, they'll be able to prove that they're the AEF ones. And I think that people, I mean, because a lot of these stamps were used. 
I think that the price on it will start to kind of suffer, not for the booklet pain, but for the individual stamp. The only problem is you have to measure the horizontal width of the, the design mm-hmm. and then the vertical width, and you have to compare the ratio. And the ratio has to be correct to be from one of those panes. And the problem is when you get a, a, a whole envelope full of these stamps, you have to measure very, very carefully every single one oh, and no, then no, calculate no. the average. You never would. No, no, no. You, you, people aren't going to do that. But when they see an, a postcard that came from France with no, a one or two different. cents. If you're stamp, looking for a used single, right. absolutely, that's the only way to tell. Yeah. But you're if not, you're looking for one on a postcard, well, that's different. Yeah. Or a letter. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to measure all the number 499s in the world. Well, <laughs> if you're a little crazy and, well, there are You'd have to be a lot crazy. Well, I know some stamp collectors who are, <laughs> fall right into that category. <laughs> that's true. They're, they're not looking to save time here. They're out there to find that diamond in the rough. Now, how much of a diamond is it? Well, on cover, it's worth quite a bit more. But I haven't seen a whole lot of people chasing after one off cover. No, 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 no. And so I, I, yeah, there would be a premium if you could identify one. How big the premium is, I don't know. Well, you would have to search literally hundreds of thousands of stamps in order to find one AES. More than likely. Yeah. But there were a lot of them used. Yeah. But being on a postcard from France or from the military, you know, that's 99% of the search done for you. Well, don't forget the Red Cross was also allowed to use them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as the booklet panes go, there are complete booklet panes known of both the one cent and the two cent, but only the one cent uh, currently has in existence a complete booklet that has not been taken apart. The two cent, they have covers, front and back covers, the cardboard covers for the booklet exist, but no complete booklets that haven't had the panes removed exist. Mm. And also the two center is worth... Like 25 times more than the one center. No, it's more like 10 to 15 times. Oh, okay. A the, lot more. The one cent pane is anywhere from 1000 to 1500 bucks, and the two cent pane is 12000 10000 somewhere in that neighborhood. Mm. So uh, quite a bit. So any those were the postage stamps that were used. What about other stamps? Well, obviously, the sheet stamps from that era would also have been used. The one cent, two cent sheet stamps. Yeah. And then, like you said, French stamps. Yes. When Before these came over. Right. And then at the end of the war, obviously, you have the victory stamp, yep. which has some color varieties that are collectible. Let, let's discuss those because those are a real weird one. They're a pain in the butt. And, you know, it, I've seen large blocks where some of those color varieties exist on the same block. Oh, I've seen a sheet that goes from normal down to the uh, red-violet. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, they're interesting to collect, but you know the question is: Are they, were they actually printed in that shade, or is that just because the sheet has not been stored properly the entire time? But anyway, the red, you know, the violet, the red violet. There's a deep violet that's not listed. Uh, there's a light reddish violet and a deep red red violet. And uh, yeah, Mark, didn't you submit one of those today? You had one of those on the card, mm-hmm. I thought. 
No, not one of those. Oh. Um, but you know, people collect the shades on that. It's it's a very because because the colors can be changed fairly easily and fairly quickly, just by not storing them properly. Yeah. So people do collect the color shades on those. Now, can that, is that particular ink uh, affected by sunlight? Absolutely. Yeah, I wonder what really does cause because you have the very expensive shade, which is probably the let's call it undisturbed shade. That's the deep violet. The deep violet, you know, it's, which is not listed, yeah, ironically. Yeah, it's probably like the one that um, would be the real color if these were all stored correctly, and then after that they just degrade into whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we also had the war saving stamps, uh, starting with uh, WS1, the 25-cent thrift stamp. Yeah, those are deep in the back of the book, aren't they? <laughs> we love back of the book. That's where the interesting stuff is. Yeah, these were, uh, they said Boy Scouts. You want to know something? I want to do a really quick. I have a, hold on. I have an inflation index. I want to look up and see what this was. What was 25 cents back then? Well, <clears throat> as, you, as you're looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a quarter. As, as you're looking at that, the, uh, the war saving stamps generally weren't canceled. They were placed into books and treated like a savings book. You would buy the, you would buy the stamp and stick the stamp in your book, and that represented your investment. And... Uh, so used examples that are in the book, uh, if the book was redeemed, they usually have a, a some sort of redemption cancel on them, uh, but sometimes they don't. So basically, if you have a no-gum example, it is considered used. So you really have to have original gum on the stamp to call it mint, to qualify for that. And uh, You want to know something interesting? Uh, tw that those 25 cent stamps, those were the equivalent of $4.43 today. Today. So when you, they had like the Boy Scouts buying a 25 cent stamp, that was a $4.43 layout for them. That was a big chunk of change. That's very interesting. Because in World War II, they put them all the way down to 10 cents. Yes. But in World War I, eh, that. That's a good chunk. So WS1, WS2, WS3, they never really had any kind of formal cancellation, right? No. Like I said, when they redeemed the booklet, then uh, sometimes they had cancels, but not always. I've, I've it, depend actually, on, it depended on the, the redeeming uh, <coughs> agent. Yeah, well, most of the time when they were redeemed, they were taken off and burned because they didn't want people, like, obviously reusing them. Right, which is why most of them don't. And generally the used ones, which are basically no gum, mm -hmm. same as a mint, uh, they, the, the face is clean just like a mint stamp. Um, generally those are from unredeemed booklets. Right, where you didn't get the full you 16 stamps in it. Yeah. Right, and then you didn't turn it in. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah you it's, see rare, the it's rare to find a used one with a cancel on it because, as you said... Once they were redeemed, the books were confiscated and, and destroyed. Yep. So in the WS2, which is, why don't you describe it to them? 
This would be the uh, $5 Washington. It's a larger stamp. That's the green one, right? Mm -hmm. So what people would do is they would fill their little savings book, and then they would take it in. And the uh, if you turned it in early, it was, I believe, $4.20, $4.25. And that was the equivalent of uh, about $75. So then you'd turn in the book, you'd give them the book, and then they would give you back a stamp. And that stamp was basically a bond, and it gave you the cost of the bond around the side. So if you turned it in in J December, you had to pay a couple more cents in January, February, March, April, May, June. And then in 1923, five years later, you could take that stamp in and they would give you a $5 bill. So it would be always worth $5. It's just how much you paid for that stamp, just like you do with the bonds today. Right. You buy a $50 bond, you actually pay $25, and then it has a... Uh, maturity date, mm -hmm. at which point you can actually cash it in for the $50. So these stamps can be redeemed, although I have no clue where you would actually redeem them, but they are worth about, well, they're worth five bucks each. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, if my you, understanding is that a few years ago that stopped that redemption process. They did. Yeah. It, it had to be a pain in the ass for bookkeeping, but yeah, yeah. each stamp today would be worth, I mean, if you just like took the uh, money and put it in a bank or something, uh, each, the $5 then is worth $75.25 today. So then we had the other war saving stamps. Well, just getting back to this then, if, if you're looking to buy this stamp, say on eBay or hip stamp, and it's described unused no gum, it's actually used. Mm-hmm. And that would be somebody had it because they had the books for these. You had a book that the $5 stamps could go into. And if they weren't redeemed, then they soaked them out of the book. So now the, the, mint stamp, the mint versions of these must have the original gum. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, the interesting thing is these books are also collectible. Oh, very. Very, very collectible by World War I collectors. And you, you can find them at ephemera shows and things like that. But condition is... Uh, even more important on these booklets than it is on the stamps themselves. I mean, we think we have a, we have uh, people that like quality uh, and condition a lot in stamp collecting. These people that are looking at ephemera, which is what the books are considered, they're even more picky. Mm -hmm. And finding these things in pristine condition with no stamps in them, very, very tough. And then the Lincoln, is that the WS5? Oh, that's the very last one, yes. Was, that was printed on a greenish paper, wasn't it? Yeah, slightly. Uh, actually, I think it was bluish. And it looks greenish because of the yellow ink of the stamp. Yeah, that was actually issued after World War I. Uh, World War I ended in... Uh, 1918? Technically 1919. In 1918, they had the ceasefire. In 1919, they had to write up all the paperwork so that they were sure that they'd have a World War II. But the uh, orange Lincoln stamp was actually, you could buy those in 1921 
for redemption in 1926. So this was like two years after the war. They were still doing war saving stamps. And it was in order to pay off the debt because we ran up a lot of debt with the war. So they continued doing the bond sort of thing uh, to pay it off. But obviously it wasn't very popular because there wasn't any war going on. And everybody said, ah, just print money or whatever. That WS5 is a scarce stamp. Incredibly scarce. Yeah, I think it catalogs like a couple thousand bucks. Yeah. In in hinged condition. And then there were two stamps between the uh, Green Washington and the Orange Lincoln. There was a five dollar nineteen twenty four redemption Franklin, and a red nineteen twenty five redemption George Washington again. So uh, that happened. Anything else? Go Navy. Any other stamps from World War One? Well, Cash, didn't um, Brian have a collection of uh, postcards? Which Brian? Mets. Oh, yeah, I, re- I remember some of those. Those were pretty cool. Um, they had uh, battlefield scenes. It was issued after the war when people were going home so everybody could say, hey, look, I lived through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah some of those were pretty... Um... Um, shocking. Yes, yes, yes. There was a lot of patriotic stuff, though. Some really, really great artwork, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1918, you just said the war didn't end in 1918, but the, it, it, it technically... Well, everybody celebrates uh, November 11th, 1918, because... Of, All at the, the, hus- the hostilities at ended. The 11th hour of 11-11. Well, that's when the ceasefire happened. Right. Technically, the Treaty of Versailles was signed In, s- several months later. There was no war going on, but they said, okay, you know, how, how are we going to punish these guys and, you know, just make sure that, you know, somebody like Adolf Hitler can uh, get a grassroots campaign to start another war here. And it really was that. You know, my favorite is that uh, Japan, you know, they they were in the war, so they got a seat at the table and they said hey you know uh all these islands that we took away from germany what happens with those and everybody said well you got them i guess you own them and so that's how uh japan got all the uh german colony uh islands off in uh, that area oh yay yeah well we kept samoa Anything else? Any other neat stories? Anybody have anything? Nope. Then I have uh, no neat stories. Then I think <laughs> we have passed the petering out section of the show, and we are into the ending abruptly section. How about a? Sounds che- like we're in the passed out section. How about a cheer and a fist bump? <laughs> <laughs> well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) (laughs) It's a descend up. It's a to send up.
Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.